Hello, Roy here. I just wanted to let you know that you can listen to The Roy Green Show ad-free on Amazon Music, included with Prime. Proudly Canadian and making Canada proud. This is The Roy Green Show. So 50 million, 50 million Facebook users had their data um, misused, abused, if you will. And there's also a story that um, the, the app that was used also gathered tons of information on those people's friends and associates. And that included people who never, ever gave any permission or consent, didn't even have the app. But I'm just thinking that Mark Zuckerberg's not a happy guy. Uh, he's cost him about $5, million, uh, $5 billion of his own money. Nobody should have $5 billion. That's just insane. That's $5,000 million. Anyway, he, that's what he's lost. And uh, in the U.K., Theresa May has said that uh, Cambridge Analytica and Facebook are expected to fully comply with an investigation that's taking place and that people need to have confidence in how their personal data is used. I have to tell you, I don't think too many people give too much thought about their personal data. I went out and bought something today before I came into the radio station. And what they do, and there was quite a lineup at the cash registers, and what they were doing, each cashier was asking each person who was buying something, what's your postal code? And everybody immediately and willfully gave the postal code. Just as they often, I see people give their phone numbers. What's your phone number? I always say no. I'm not giving you my phone number. I'm not giving you my postal code. I'm not giving you my license number. I'm not giving you anything. I came to buy something, not to answer your questions about me. But there's so much data about individuals out there, and it's floating around, and God knows what's happening to it. So let's talk about this issue of uh, Cambridge Analytica with David Fraser. Internet technology and privacy lawyer, partner at McKenna Cooper in Halifax. He's also the author of the Canadian Privacy Law Blog. I think, but we, we first talked, David, before the internet was around. <laughs> it's, a, it's a different world we're living in, isn't it? It sure is. If I'd said to you, David, Facebook, um, Cambridge Analytica, f- personal data on 50 million people, you would have thought that I had a few issues. Uh, so let me ask, start with this. How many people's, any idea how many people's personal data is circulating in cyberspace at any given moment? Oh, probably personal data of most people using the Internet, which is more than, uh, I think, two-thirds of the world population. So billions. So it's, it's a massive amount of information, and it's not just kind of the number of people that it's about. I think it's also the, the detail that is included in all of that information, the websites you visit, places you are. Your, your cell phone is constantly telling the, the network where your phone is uh, in order for the phone to work, but also that information can be used for other purposes. So I often think of it in terms of digital exhaust. We're just kind of polluting 
and leaving a, a significant stream of information behind with everything that we do. And we don't seem to care very much. Well, uh, I think some people care more than others. I don't think that there's any, any doubt about that. And I certainly hear from a lot of people that say, well, privacy is dead, just because, you know, think of hundreds of millions, if not billions of people sharing a huge amount of information on Facebook and Instagram and, and things like that. I think people are still concerned about privacy and still make decisions about their privacy. But it's harder to participate in modern society without engaging through these digital uh, media. And yeah. that involves sharing some of your information, leaving traces that, uh, that before wouldn't have. If you picked up your landline telephone 25 years ago, your phone company would have known something about, uh, about who you were calling, but they probably wouldn't have used it for anything other than billing purposes. And now that sort of information has economic value because they're going to use it to push ads to you, for example. Yeah. And, uh, and it's just, it, it's become information dense out there. So, you know, when I said, no, I'm not giving you my postal code, then immediately I paid for the item with my debit card. Yep. So while I didn't give them a postal code, when I paid with my debit card, I was giving the bank all sorts of information. Yeah, absolutely. And had you, had you paid for cash, you might have left uh, less of a footprint or an informational footprint behind. But you were probably captured on about 15 cameras as you walked through the store, uh, filling, your, filling your shopping cart. And so it's... Uh, it's harder and harder to, to live a modern life without leaving these, uh, these sorts of footprints. And I think if there's anything beneficial that's going to come out of this Facebook Cambridge Analytica story, it's going to be two things. One is that perhaps a higher awareness and a greater level of cynicism on the part of individuals about what information they're leaving behind. And second is probably perhaps even more important is the scrutinizing how this information can be misused for political manipulation purposes, mm-hmm. which I think... You know, it's one thing to uh, have your information used to show you ads for golf clubs when Facebook thinks you might be interested in golf clubs. It's a second to have that information used to undermine our democratic institutions. Yeah. So when we talk about Cambridge Analytica and we talk about what has happened and bring Facebook into the picture and then slide in the Donald Trump campaign for president in 2016, what are the most significant factors of all of this to you as the professional Privacy, internet privacy expert. What uh, the lawyer? What 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 really uh, uh, connected with you? Well, I, I think that they connected on a whole number of levels, and and frankly, as a as a Canadian standing in Canada, what concerns me the most is that this stuff is probably happening in Canada, and because our political parties are completely unregulated when it comes to privacy and how they manage personal information. It really can continue to exist in the in the shadows. If they were subject to our privacy laws, we could at least require them to have privacy policies and legally hold them to those privacy policies. We could, it would be based on consent. They could only use our information if we consented to it, for example. But because of that, they're completely in the in the shadows. Now they've taken advantage of so Cambridge Analytica has at least what's alleged of being kind of out of sight in a lot of instances. But they're subject to. Uh, the jurisdiction of, let's say, the, the Information Commissioner of the United Kingdom, who's actually a Canadian, Elizabeth Denham, who's thoroughly investigating what's ha- what happened in connection with, with Brexit, so not just Facebook, not just Cambridge Analytica, but uh, Canadian companies involved in that and, and others as well. And I think we need to know and, and should understand kind of what, is, what are political parties and their supporters doing in Canada. Uh, and there's other layers to it as well. There's, of course, the, the use of kind of Russian bots and trolls in order to simply polarize the population. But, uh, but the, the potential for mischief that cuts to the core of our democratic institutions is the thing that, that really struck me the most. Mm-hmm. And there is the Canadian angle with Ray Larson. 
and uh, uh, Wiley, Wiley. Uh, one of the uh, one of the founders, Wiley, yeah. of, uh, or said to be one of the founders or one of the developers of Cambridge Analytica. It's also said that he had a contract with the liberal uh, liberal party. Mm-hmm. Uh, now it could have been for something completely unrelated. Data scientists do a whole bunch of things, um, but it certainly raises enough flags to suggest that somebody should be looking into what's going on in Canada. And I'm afraid that that there's <laughs> so many vested interests in the political status quo on both sides of the aisle that we're really we're not going to see that and uh, and unfortunately uh, as we're looking down the barrel of an Ontario election for example we're looking down the barrel of a federal election in the next couple of years kind of the time the clock is ticking is this issue this this experience with Cambridge Analytica and Facebook is it going to change do you think because you just mentioned the upcoming Ontario election June 7 and then September of, uh, of next year is the federal election right September October one or the other yeah. September isn't it Anyway, uh, whichever one it is, September or October, the, uh, is what's happened over the last few weeks, or at least what we've become aware of over the last few weeks, is, is, this, is there time to, put a, to put the, really put the brakes to this, or is the cat already out of the, bar, out of the bag? Well, I, I think that, uh, that perhaps the, simply be, with the passage of time, the, the, the issue is becoming more and more acute. But... Frankly, if if you were to give me a couple of days, I could write legislation that could roll our political parties into into the privacy law, and they could pass it as uh, more quickly than they passed the marijuana legislation theoretically. Um, but certainly, I, I think we actually need to take a very close look at it, and we're we're against the clock, mm-hmm. not just in terms of how political parties collect, use, and disclose information, but also kind of non-political parties that have been involved in advocacy activities in order to polarize opinion and, and press things. Frankly, if I was Facebook, probably what I would be doing right now is I'd be saying, okay, look, until we've gotten to the bottom of this, we're not going to do, we're not going to allow any political or issue-based advertising on our platform until we understand what's going on. And I think one thing that, that I think is also worth mentioning is that it really does seem like Facebook was duped. Facebook, uh, the, the Cambridge Analytica application that ran on its platform that collected a huge amount of information presented to people, and I believe presented to Facebook, that it was for research purposes, kind of academic research, which it obviously was not. And they were obliged to not retain any of the information, and it really sounds, or at least the reporting is saying, that that they held on to it. And so I think what we're going to be seeing on the Facebook side of the fence is much greater pressure, I think, to police everybody who uses their platform, because it's not just a website. It's also a platform that game developers, for example, run on. And other uh, and other developers do too. Mm-hmm. Well, we'll uh, certainly have to keep a very close eye on this uh, because with the two elections coming up, and they're very very significant to this country going forward. I think so. Um, when we come back, I'd I'd like to talk to you about something that you've been speaking about, and you're out in BC talking to the Canadian Bar Association mm-hmm. about, and that is Canada Border Services Agency's agents' view is they may search all digital information which crosses the border. But you're saying that's not really the case. We'll come back with David Fraser and that story on the Roy Green Show on the Corus Radio Network. He always got straight A's, but his report card said he talked too much. This is the Roy Green Show. That was fake news. That was fake news. I didn't always get straight A's. 
I'm one of those guys that threw the life raft too. Hey Roy, swim to that, hop on board. Maybe you'll make it to the next school year. Nah, I did okay. For a guy who went to uh, 17 schools in four different countries, mm-hmm. started out with Imperial, went to Metric, then back to Imperial, and then back to Metric. Boy, oh boy. So enough of my biography. I just said I wasn't going to give out any information. I just said I wasn't going to give it. I just said I wasn't going to give out any information. So that <laughs> not very smart, eh, David? Mm. David Fraser, Internet Technology and Privacy Lawyer, partner of McKinnis Cooper Halifax, and author of the Canadian Privacy Blog, which I enjoy reading. And I saw that you were uh, addressing the lawyers of Canada on the issue of the um, the CBSA, Canada Border Services Agency, and their view is that they have the right to um, to uh, inspect or search all digital information which crosses the border. And you're saying not so fast. What's the story? So the the CBSA operates under the Customs Act, which is their legislation that gives them authority. And the last time it was significantly revised was more than 20 years ago. And so all of their authority to do anything is based on that piece of legislation, which allows them to search any goods uh, that cross the border or that are in a customs-controlled zone. And so they've taken the view that anything, a digital device, and most importantly, the data on it is a good and is something that they can, uh, they can search without a warrant, without any even suspicion. So you could have a, a CBSA officer who just saw a flight coming back from Cuba and uh, pulled over every uh, attractive young woman looking at her beach photos. And that would be, according to the CBSA, perhaps inappropriate but completely lawful. And the problem is that in the meantime, the Supreme Court of Canada has said, hey, wait a minute, uh, computers and smartphones are different than anything else we've ever seen. They have a much higher privacy interest because of the vast amount of information that's on them, the fact that they're often collecting information that we're not even aware of, and the fact that even if we make the move to delete stuff, often it's not fully deleted. So let's say the the police get a warrant to search your home or your office, and they can go rummaging through all your filing cabinets, they can go rummaging through everything, but if they find a computer, they have to seize the computer and go back and get a second warrant. So the first warrant does not allow them to turn on the computer. And But the CBSA haven't caught up to that modern reality where the courts are saying, hey, hey, even in cases where you have a diminished expectation of privacy, for example, the moment you're arrested and they take your smartphone, they can't just go rummaging through that. And CBSA hasn't, hasn't kept up. And they've, they really seem to have made a concerted effort to make sure that the question never gets in front of a judge. So a couple of years ago, they charged a guy who was coming through Halifax, uh, a Quebec resident, um, and they r- told him to unlock his phone, and he refused. And so they charged him with obstruction. And he was about to go to trial, and they gave him a, a sweetheart, uh, a, a pretty sweet deal that he couldn't, couldn't refuse, which seemed to be simply so that the judge would not say, hey, you cannot do that. This is, this is inappropriate. And I was involved in a case in southern Ontario this past summer where I represented the Canadian Civil Liberties Association with a very similar thing, where uh, just before the decision or the question was going to go, go to the judge, the Crown made a, a, an offer that uh, the individual could not refuse. So they benefit from the uncertainty, and they, I don't know if you've ever seen that, uh, I think it's on Discovery, the, the show Border Security, 
they search people's phones all the time. That's one of their, their number one ways of, of doing, you know, some of it is quite legitimate. Somebody says they're visiting Canada as a tourist, and you, they go looking through their phone, and they discover the person actually has a job offer. Or you have a Canadian returning to Canada, says they paid 50 bucks for that watch, and they go rummaging through the phone, open up their banking app, and discover that they paid 500 bucks for it. So certainly there can be a legitimate law enforcement purpose for that, but the issue is that they can't do it without any, any suspicion, and I think they should actually be getting a warrant. And that really is an environment where you feel almost compelled to do whatever they tell you to do. Well, that's right. That's right. You just Most people are, are just getting off a long international flight. They're tired. They're probably already vulnerable. They might have a connecting flight that they're trying to, trying to get. So, you know, anytime anybody in a uniform tells you to do something, even if they say please, it, it's compulsive. It, it feels compulsory. And, uh, and so I totally get that most people, even if, even if they needed a, a warrant to require it, if somebody were just asked for that information, they're going to provide it simply because they want to they get out of there. But they're opening up access to just a massive amount of information. On my phone is, is every photograph I've taken since 2001, uh, is all the, all the emails and messages back and forth with family members and, and things like that. So it's, it, it would be akin to 25 years ago crossing the border with all of your personal papers, your filing cabinets, your diaries, and things like that, and, and photo albums. And so... Obviously, there's a much higher, there should be a much higher privacy expectation in that device, and they shouldn't just be able to go trolling through it just because they want to. So if you find yourself in that situation, you're coming back into Canada, and uh, the Canadian Border Security Agency person says, um, do, you have your, do you have a smartphone? Yes, I do. Well, let me see it. Do you say at that point, no, I will not let you see it, Is, or how should you proceed? Well, it, it's a very tricky situation for anybody who's not a lawyer. Kind of, as a lawyer, my phone has privileged material on it. And so, for, for one thing, I would turn it off completely before going through customs. And I know my device is encrypted. And I would say, look, I'm a lawyer. This contains privileged material. I am not going to give you access to it unless I'm ordered to by a judge. And as a, a non-lawyer, I think you, you might be in a position to do that, but you really would expect to be charged. Mm-hmm. And, and then it becomes a matter of, of do you, look, who wants to go through that process and yeah. then get it in front of a judge and have the judge tell the CBSA what's what. And so it's an expensive process. So I don't want to go on the radio nationally telling everybody uh, to say no simply because they, they would anticipate that they would be charged for it. But uh, ultimately this question will go in front of a judge. It will probably be appealed up to the appeal courts in the Supreme Court of Canada and will have some certainty, but at least my read on the law as it's been stated by uh, the Supreme Court of Canada, but ignored by CBSA, is, you know, they can't do that unless they have a, a real compelling reason to do that, and I think that that would require a warrant. Well, as you, we started out uh, with, the, with our conversation, David, the times sure have changed. That's right. You know, the safest thing is don't bring it with you. No. <laughs> if you don't want to hand <laughs> okay. it over, don't, keep, don't have it in your suitcase, okay. don't have it on your phone. Uh, wipe your phone before you leave and, uh, and only use kind of cloud services and then wipe it as you go through the... Uh, go through the border. And that way, you know, if there's nothing there for them to look at, there's nothing okay. you really have to worry about. Thanks so much for your time. Always great speaking with you. Anytime, Roy. You take care. Take care. David Fraser, Internet Technology Privacy Lawyer Partner at McKinnis Cooper in Halifax and author of the Canadian Privacy Law Blog.